Amen. That was good. Thank you, Sam. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of John. The book of John chapter uh, number 15 today. John chapter number 15. Today we are continuing our series of messages on the journey. And uh, we are lo- been looking at metaphors. We only have a couple more weeks left um, as we approach the month of September and all the things that will be taking place as we uh, move into the fall. And uh, so today I want to talk about a different kind of subject than what we've dealt with so far. Today I want to talk about being a true friend. The Bible ta- tells us as Christians that we are to, bo- to be friends and that we are to be friends with people and, and uh, people that are in this world. We're to be friends as Christians. Uh, we're to be a unified group of people that uh, are really, truly friends. I, I think that word has taken on a different meaning in our society. Many times, friends now are people that we don't necessarily associate with, uh, but we more of what we would call acquaintances. I think the idea of friendship... Um, is, is lacking, in, especially in churches today. And, and when we talk about a true friend, what is a true friend? A true friend is a precious treasure. And we have the opportunity to be that true friend for others. Jesus himself is our greatest, most faithful friend. When we talk about a friend, we're talking about someone that, that really cares about us or that we really care about. And that they'll be there through the most difficult times and through the best times, not just when we have something to give, but they'll be there even if they are the ones having to give to us. A true friend. It is a precious treasure. Uh, And our example is none other than Jesus Christ himself. When we extend his love to others, we help our friends grow in their relationship with the Lord. Many times friendship is that of just uh, companionship, of fellowship, someone that we call on the phone. But true friendship is, is, is surrounded by the word of God. It's surrounded by him. It is, it is a, a friendship or a relationship where we lean on each other and, and we grow together. You see, uh, I've, I've learned some interesting things. I have found out that there There are some fruit trees that will not grow unless there is more than one next to each other. And you know what? I believe that is the absolute truth uh, within uh, the family of God. We have a difficult time sometimes growing by ourselves. But when we have other people beside us cheering us on, encouraging us, we can flourish and we can grow beyond anything that we could ever imagine. I remember as we were getting ready and preparing for the Dominican Republic, and now as we're preparing to go to Cape Verde, this is what I hear. I want to go, but I've got to take somebody I know with me. Pastor, who's going to be in the room with me? Well, be blessed. You don't have six college guys with you, all right? In a two-bedroom room, or in a one-bedroom room. And uh, so, you know, we want somebody there because they're comfort to us, right? Because we feel like that no matter how difficult it may get wherever we are at, that they're going to love me and they're going to care about me in spite of my difficulty. Uh, I went on a trip to Nicaragua and uh, my wife wasn't able to go on this particular missions trip. And uh, it was the first time that my wife had not gone with me. 
and uh, you know, I we they they roomed me up with this other gentleman, and and uh, as a great man of God. But you know, it, there's just something about that first day of uncomfortableness. You know what I'm talking about, right? We're getting our beds, and you're looking at each other, going, "Yeah, you're going to sleep there, and I'm going to sleep there, and I'm going to sleep with one eye open." <laughs> Ever felt like that? <laughs> Um, but you know what? A true friend, someone that is there through the thick and through the thin. Our closest friends should be wisely chosen as they need to be ones who sharpen us spiritually. Yet, we also must be very conscious of the influence that we have over our friends. If you have your Bibles, if you'll stand with me. We're in the book of John, chapter number 15. Tyler, will you change that screen for me, please? John chapter number 15, we're going to start reading in verse number 13. John chapter number 15, verse 13, just one verse today. John chapter 15, a very familiar verse. Uh, John chapter 15 and verse number 13. The Bible says this, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Did you see it? Verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man... Lay down his life for his friends. Let's say our prayer. Father, we love you. Lord, I pray that you'll bless the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that in the few moments that we have together today as we share, Lord, that we'll be encouraged by the things that we hear and we'll be challenged to be a true friend uh, in this day and age and be a friend that really cares and that really loves and that really encourages our friends to grow in the admonition of the Lord. Lord, uh, be with us today. We love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes on the back of your bullets, and there's an outline. Uh, Number one, a friend. A friend. Just very simply, what is a friend? A, A true friend. A true biblical friend. First of all, a friend will lift you up and they will not tear you down. Are you with me? A friend will lift you up, not tear you down. They will be there to encourage you. They will be there to strengthen you. I've been watching the Olympics uh, uh, late into the night, probably longer than I should be. But, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Last night, for instance, they were doing that uh, 4x100 swimming relay, saying that it was Michael Phelps' last uh, Olympic event. And this is what I saw. There, there's four of them, and, and they all have to swim uh, uh, the same amount of distance and, and, and different ways of swimming. And the first person, I mean, uh, the, the guy says, Start, the buzzer goes off, and he jumps into the water. The other three swimmers, they're not standing there going, Well, I hope he makes it. It's looking good. What do you think? No, they're screaming, they're hollering. I watched them literally lean over the side of that pool, banging on the side of it and uh, encouraging their friend. They're not saying, hey, you're going too slow. No, they're saying, push, push, go. They were lifting them up. And then when it was all over and, and, and the guy hit the wall and they won, they didn't look at each other and go, well, that was great. No, they were high-fiving. They were hugging. I mean, they were having a man moment. It was serious. That's, That's a friend, right? Man, to be there, to encourage, 
in, 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 the, in the hard times and in the good times. They'll lift you up. They'll not tear you down. They'll help you. They'll not hurt you. They'll be there to help you, to not hurt you. They'll be there to encourage you, not to discourage you. A true friend will edify, and they will not diminish. That's a true friend. Now, this is where we start thinking, you know, I have a friend like that. I have a friend that lifts me up. I have a friend that, that, that doesn't hurt me. I have a friend that encourages me. I have a friend that edifies me. Could I ask you for a moment to do the checklist on yourself? Are you a friend that lifts up? Are you a friend that, that, does, not, that does not hurt, but rather they help? Are you a friend that encourages? Are you a friend that edifies? Listen, it needs to be a reciprocal friendship, one that both of you are helping each other along the way. In essence, a true friend will help you become more of what you need to be rather than pulling you in the wrong direction. A true friend will help you become more of what you need to be rather than pulling you in the wrong direction. I often, uh, when I talk to young people especially, I tell them to choose their friends wisely, right? Because their friends are going to make them or they're going to break them. They're either going to push them into the right direction or pull them into the wrong direction. That's why we as parents, listen, uh, uh, and and I'm going to have some young people upset with me here this morning and that's okay. Uh, But that's why it's important that, that we know what's going on in our young people's lives. You may think, well, pastor, it's an invasion of privacy. No, no, no. No, no, no. It it is not an invasion of privacy to make sure that my child is going in the direction, not that I want him to go, but that God wants him to go. Because we need to make sure that they are making wise choices within their friends that are pulling them in the right direction, not in the wrong direction. Letter A, a friend is encouraging. And we've talked a little bit about this, but I want to give you some biblical examples here. A friend is encouraging. The word encourage means to inspire with hope with courage or confidence to hearten. It is an inspiration to be a good friend. Uh, We have all had low times in our lives when we needed encouragement, when we needed inspiration, and a reason to keep going. Others need encouragement from us as well. Listen, there is nothing that does my heart any better than when I get a text in the middle of the day and it says, Pastor, I just want you to know that I love you and I'm praying for you. Right? That's an encouragement. That's an encouragement. And that's what we need to do to other people. Listen, I just want you to know I'm praying for you and and I love you. It's it's, it's a good thing. How can we be a friend who encourage? One of the greatest tools to build up others um, is encouraging words. The Bible says this in Proverbs 25, 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of what? Apples of gold and pictures of silver. It does wonders for people. A word fitly spoken. Uh, the Bible records several instances when people, even, uh, when people, even godly leaders, needed encouragement. And I, I did this on purpose today. You're going to hear a lot about biblical examples over the next few minutes. I did this on purpose because sometimes when we get discouraged, we think that we are the only person that has ever been discouraged. And we think we're the only person that has ever been by ourselves and alone. 
But can I tell you that the Bible records people that needed encouragement. First of all, Moses needed encouragement. If you remember in the battle between Israel, uh, Israel and uh, Am- Amalek, excuse me, God used the support of Moses' friend Joshua and Aaron to make the difference. Remember, lift the arms up. They win the battle. When he gets tired and the arms go down, what happens? They start getting defeated. There was no way that Moses and his army was going to win the battle without his friend's help. And the friends were doing exactly what God told them to do, to lift Moses up, and then God would do the rest of it. So what that tells me is that God is, 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 finds friendship to be very important. He finds that, that people need to, to be there to lift each other up in a time of need. David needed encouragement. Saul, the king of Israel, was determined to wipe out the competition. If you remember, God instructed that David would be the next king. But Saul's son, Jonathan, was the one that was the heir to the throne. And God said, no, Jonathan is not going to be the next king. David, in fact, is going to be the next king. And Saul said, well, I'll put a stop to that. I'll just kill David. And the unlikeliest person in all of the world came to uh, David's aid. Jonathan. Came to David's aid and said, listen, I will be your friend. Saul's firstborn son loved David. And 1 Samuel 18, verse number 1, said it as this. As his own soul. That's how much he loved David. What an amazing thought. The disciples needed encouragement. Jesus, uh, his disciples experienced a wide gamut of emotion as they followed Christ. Jesus often used his words to encourage them in God's faithfulness and love for them. Even Even those that were the closest to Jesus as he walked the face of this earth needed encouragement. And then may I remind you that even Jesus needed encouragement. Hours before sacrificing his life at Calvary, Jesus agonized in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he prayed, not my will, but thine be done. You see, we need to be a a friend that is encouraging one another. He prayed so earnestly, his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. It was then that there appeared an angel unto him from heaven to strengthen him. Listen, everyone needs encouragement. And we need to be an encouraging Friend, determined to be a friend who is an encourager. Look for those who may need your encouragement and speak up with an encouraging word to someone today. Listen, when somebody walks over to you, even if you're having the most difficult day, and they say to you, how are you doing? Don't, don't discourage them. Just tell them, even if it's a rough day, just say, well, the Lord is in control, isn't he? Right? Everything is going great in the eyes of God. It's going just as God planned. Listen, be an encourager. Number two, excuse me, letter B. A friend is not only an encouragement, but they're also an edifier. What does that word edifying mean? It means to instruct, especially so as to encourage intellectual, moral, or spiritual improvement. Now, this takes a true friend to be one that is not only uh, an encourager, but one Uh, uh, that will step out of the box and say, hey, listen, friend of mine, I love you, 
but you might be making some unwise decisions in your life. Could I pray with you about it? I didn't say that this friend gets on the phone and calls everybody else and tells everybody what their friend is doing. Amen, preacher. That's good right there. Or gets on social media and spreads the gossip of what their friend is doing. Because, you know, our flesh thrives on that. But rather, they go directly to them. They edify them, as the Bible says. And says, hey, listen, I love you. And I care about you. And because I love you and care about you, could I encourage you not to go in the path that you're taking? The word edify comes from a Latin word which means to build That should say build, sorry. To build. We need to allow God to use us to build our friends into what he would have them be. And to help them in their intellectual, moral, and spiritual growth. Proverbs 27, 9. Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart. So doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty what? Counsel. By hearty counsel. Christ constantly edified his disciples through his example, his words, and his works. His purpose was for them to carry on the work of God in the power of the Holy Spirit after he ascended to his Father. His goal was always to help them what? Grow. Always to help them grow. And that's what true friendship is. It is to grow together. I I want you to understand something. Spiritual friendship is not a competition. Right? Well, I read more than you this week, so I must be the spiritual one. (laughs) I prayed a little more than you this week. No, it's not a competition. It is, hey, did you miss it? It's okay. Let's jump back in tomorrow and do it again. Hey, it's okay that you messed up because we're all flesh. And if I were honest, I probably messed up too. Right? We grow together. We build each other up together. I love when I, I, I know I'm alluding a lot to the Olympics, but I love when I hear the Olympics and, and the, the announcer will say, so-and-so is this person's mentor. What a great missing link in the church today. It's true mentors People that pour them li- their lives into other people to help them grow and encourage, knowing that they are going to be the next generation. You know, we looked at all these children up here, and, and uh, thank God our children's ministry is growing, and we are seeing God do great things. And here we have people that are right now pouring into the lives of these children. Why? Not so they won't be disruptive in here. Not so that we can have a babysitting club on Sunday morning. No, so that we can pour into them the word of God so that they will grow and, 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 and we'll be able to train them up as they should be trained. So that whenever they get to the point of making their own decisions in life, they will make decisions that align with the word of God. That's why it's important. Secondly of all, we found out what a friend is. But what does a friend do? A friend goes the second mile. A friend goes the second mile. Friendship goes beyond the call of duty and volunteers uh, for unrequired service. We call this going the second mile. Going beyond yourself and just standard friendship. It is going the second mile. 
Uh, you say, is that biblical? It actually is. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 41. This is the King James Version. It says, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain or two. Go with him a second mile. Listen, it, it is important that, that we don't give up on our friends in their most desperate moment. But yet we go the second mile with them. In other words, go beyond what's expected. Do more than what is just required. First of all, a friend that goes the second mile fills needs in the person's life. They fill needs in the person's life. Friendship and love are not just feelings, uh, but a willingness to meet each other's needs. I want you to notice these Bible examples of men who met the needs of others. It is, it is a, 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 an action to be a friend to a second mile friend to meet the needs of other people. First of all, the Good Samaritan met his neighbor's needs. You remember the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter number 10. The Bible tells us that there was a priest and a Levite and a Samaritan. All saw the man in need. He had been beaten up by robbers laid in the middle of the road. But only the Samaritan, who could have spent all of his time dwelling on the injustice and discrimination he encountered in his own life, actually fulfilled the needs of the wounded man. The good Samaritan filled the needs. He went beyond his call of duty. You see, others saw the man in the street, and they crossed over and went the other way. But the Samaritan came in spite of all that, the injustice that Samaritans have in their lives. He decided, you know what, I'm going to help the man in need. And not only am I going to help him, but I'm going to take him to a place where he can find help. And then not only am I going to take him there, but I'm going to make sure everything's taken care of while he is there. That is a good friend. We've already talked about for a few moments ago about Jonathan meeting the needs of David. In 1 Samuel chapter 20, we find out Jonathan was King, was King Saul's son, next in line for the throne. Yet Jonathan knew that God had chosen David to replace Saul as king, and Jonathan loved David. Here's what I want you to see. When Saul attempted to kill David, and you can read this uh, passage of scripture, Jonathan risked his own life to warn David of the danger and helped him escape. As a matter of fact, he sacrificed the relationship with his father for his friend. A true friend, a true friend will fill the need. Jesus Christ, he meets our needs. The best friend we have is Jesus Christ. He meets our every need, physical, emotional, and spiritual. As Joseph Scriven so aptly wrote, what a friend we have in Jesus. He is the greatest friend that anyone could ever have. You may say, Pastor, I don't have any friends. I can promise you that you have a friend in Jesus. You have a friend in Jesus. And he is a true friend. He is one that will fill our needs. He is one that will help us physically. He'll help us emotionally. And certainly he'll help us spiritually. A true friend. By the way, being a true friend may require of us to help some physical. Physical needs of our friend. It may require us to listen to the emotional needs of a friend. And certainly it requires us to help them grow spiritually. In the Lord. To be a second mile friend, we need to look for the needs of our friends and do whatever we can to fill them, even before we are asked. Number two, not only fill the need, but boy, the tough one is being patient sometimes. 
I had a plaque on my wall at one time in my office that said this, Lord, grant me patience, but hurry. Lord, grant me patience, but hurry, you know. Patience is a difficult thing in this day and age. It really is. I mean, we get upset if we get into the drive-thru and it takes more than five minutes from the time we order our food till it's delivered to us. Right? And we're, we live in a very impatient society. All you have to do is get on I-20 and connect at 75 and you'll know how impatient we have in our society today. Impatience. You know, when you have a friend, a true friend, a lifelong friend, there are going to be times in their lives and there's going to be times in your life that you're going to need them to be patient. You're going to need them to, to love you just where you are at. A second mile friend is long suffering. He's patient, persevering, and does not give up. Our own lives are a testimony to God's patience with us. Isn't that the truth? He is working in each of our lives individually and specifically. I know one thing. The Lord has been very patient with me. He's been very patient in my growth as a Christian. He's been very patient in my life when I have done things that are contrary to the word of God. And even probably deserved a worse punishment than I was granted because he was patient with me. He's long-suffering. When we begin to feel frustrated with our friends, we must remember God's patience towards us. All of us could wear the plea I read on a bumper sticker the other day where it said, Be patient. God isn't finished with me yet. Isn't that a great thought? Just be patient because God isn't finished with me yet. He's still working on me. He's still molding me and making me into the person that he wants me to be. Just be patient. You know, so many of the times we have this tendency, and your pastor is probably the top priority person that does this, and shame on me for it. But sometimes we think, nobody else can do it better than I can, so I'll just do it. You ever felt that way? And when the truth of the matter is, is that our job and our duty as a friend is to pour into somebody else and teach them how to do it so that they too can be successful in their lives. I'll give you a perfect example for me in my own life. There was one thing in my life that I have been afraid of all of my life. You're going to laugh, but I'll tell on me and not on you. Power tools. I'm serious. I could handle a drill, but I don't go any further than that. They, they would use miter saws, and I would see my fingers flinging all over the place. They would use table saws, and I would see my arms flying all over the place. You know, uh, and then, and then uh, they would take these pieces of wood, and they would put them together, and they would nail them, and I would see my hand being nailed to the wood. But when they were all done, I would think to myself, really wish I could do that. Because it looks, number one, it looks enjoyable. Well, for some, unless you get frustrated. But it looks enjoyable. And it looks like hammering that nail could take a lot of frustrations out. I got a witness over here. 
And I thought, I really want to learn how to do that. So they started building this. And I stood and watched. And someone would say, preacher, get over here and grab the board and let's help a little bit. All right. Just don't hand me anything that I'm going to hurt myself with because i got to preach tomorrow, all right? And then somebody left the tools behind. And I got out here one day and I thought, you know what? The worst thing I can do is mess it up. But I'm going to try. And I grabbed a hammer and I grabbed a miter saw and I grabbed a stapler that you staple these pieces in with. And I grabbed a cup of water. And I said, before I leave here today, I'm going to figure it out. And I started at it. Now, there was a couple of things I learned while doing that. Number one, I'm very out of shape. <laughs> and number two, that's a lot of fun. So then I went to the Home Depot. And I bought me a saw, and I bought me all kinds of things, and started making stuff. And I realized something, that there was a few men that even though they didn't realize it, they were being true friends, because they weren't allowing me to stay on the sidelines. They were putting me right in so that I could learn it. Can I tell you something? That's a true friend. That won't say, I'll do everything for you. You don't have to worry about it. No. A true friend says, here, come alongside of me and let's do this together. Be patient. Because God isn't finished with me yet. All of us are still under construction. You could be the friend that has the patience to encourage another one to growth. Number three, and I'm done. A friend is faithful. A true friend is faithful. A true friend is faithful no matter what. A faithful friend is an incredible gift. To be a faithful friend is an incredible task. To really be a true friend. Proverbs 17, 17, here's what it says. A friend loveth at all times. I looked up that word all in the Hebrew and it means all. A friend loveth at all times. All times. Listen to this though. And a brother is born for what? Did you know there's a difference between being a friend and a brother? You see, we can have a people that are friends in our life that love us at all times and we love them at all times. But a true brother, we, talk, we call ourselves brothers and sisters in Christ, which we should. Because we're all related, even if we don't want to be, amen? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. By the way, I've learned something, that it's best for us to get along down here because we're going to be spending eternity together. Right? A friend loveth at all times, but a brother or a sister is born for adversity. When true problems come, that's when it's time for the brothers and sisters in Christ to rise up and to be who God has called them to be. In times of prosperity, in times of poverty, in times of joy, in times of sorrow, in times of health or illness, a true friend 
will remain faithful. Proverbs 27.10, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into thy brother's house in the day of thy calamity. For better is a neighbor that is near than a brother who is far off. Thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Silvanus is a, 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 a biblical example of a, fa- a faithful friend. Peter even specifically referred to this man as a faithful brother unto you. Who is it? The name Silvanus is the long form of the name Silas. Quite possibly this is the same man who was in prison with the Apostle Paul in Philippi in Acts chapter number 16. Certainly Silas was a faithful friend. He was willing to share Paul's persecution and shame for the preaching of the gospel. Paul and Silas shared in troubles, including a public whipping and a public imprisonment, but they also shared in the miraculous deliverance of God. We've already seen David and Jonathan's friendship, but notice the incredible faithfulness these two men demonstrated towards each other right up to the end of their lives. Jonathan was David's friend, even when it cost him the favor of his own father and cost him the throne. A true friend. Sometimes faithfulness involves being, being willing to rebu- rebuke a friend for his own good. If your friend is headed in the wrong direction, as we mentioned a few moments ago, a direction that's contrary to God, you ought to do what's necessary to help them to get back on the path that they need to be walking. When David committed the sins of adultery and murder, the prophet Nathan courageously com- confronted David with the truth. Do you remember 2 Samuel chapter number 12? He gave the illustration of one man that had all the sheep that he could ever want and one that had only had one. And the one that had them all went to the one that only had one and took it from him. And Nathan said to David, what should we do about that? And David said, we should kill him. We should cut off his head. We should punish him. Nathan looked at him and said, thou art the man. In other words, Nathan said, you are the one who has done that. And immediately David realized the sin that he committed and the horribleness of what he had done. God used the faithfulness of Nathan to bring David to repentance and restoration. Later, David named a son after his faithful friend, Nathan. Even in the most difficult times, people still need us. Number four, a friend is forgiving. A friend is forgiving. Who hasn't needed forgiveness from his friends? We are so easily wound, uh, wound our friends with, uh, or excuse me, wound our friends with thoughtfulness, uh, words, or careless deeds, and we appreciate it when our friends extend forgiveness to us. We all need forgiveness at times in our life. For the Bible says in Matthew chapter six, for if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. We need to. Uh, offer forgiveness and we need to receive forgiveness when we mess up when we have trouble when our friendships go astray we need to say hey listen we are going to forgive each other and we're going to work through this Charles Spurgeon said it this way very sweet is it to pass by other men's offenses against ourselves for thus we learn how sweet it is to the Lord to pardon us in other words he's saying we should grant forgiveness to our friends because Christ granted forgiveness to us. Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? 
Till seven times. Peter said, how, how often should I forgive my brother until I don't have to forgive him anymore? Jesus said a, a miraculous thought. He said, instead of justifying Peter's unforgiving attitude, Jesus answered and said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. In other words, 490 times. Because basically, if you can do something 490 times, it should be a habit. Forgiveness. A friend is forgiving even to those who really don't deserve it. Do any of us really deserve forgiveness? We certainly don't. It is when we consider the forgiveness that Christ has freely given to us that we see our responsibility to forgive others. Ephesians 4.32. This was a verse that I learned way back when I was growing up. And my mom often reminded me of it. And be ye kind one to another. What's the next word? Tenderhearted. What's the next word? Forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. God has allowed us to build relationships with others, to sharpen, to encourage, and to challenge one another to walk closer to him and fulfill his purpose for our lives. Wisely use the influence you have, however small you think it to be, to be a godly friend to others. Also, place godly influences in your own life by choosing godly friends. Today, we have a great responsibility when it comes to being friends and to having a friendship. Could I ask you today, is, are you a true friend? Are you someone that, that, that someone else can call a true friend? Are you surrounding yourselves by people that are true friends? Listen, a true friend is a treasured jewel. And we have the greatest example in Jesus Christ as a friend. Could I ask you today, what kind of friend are you? What kind of friend are you? Let's all strive to be friends that are honoring Jesus Christ. That are encouraging others in their walk with Christ. Or even so much as encouraging others to come into a relationship with Christ. Because that's what a true friend is. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you for listening so well today.